0614-567-567. Cape Talk. Pippa Hudson, Personality of the Week. And it's a great pleasure to welcome in studio with me, Caden Clay. Now, it's great to have you with, you t- with us today. Hey, how's it going? Very, very well. Yourself? Yeah, okay, thanks. Good. Now, Caden is a young man who could be, I guess, described part adventurer, part entrepreneur, a big part environmental activist. He is the founder of the Global Wheeling Initiative. He is the lone participant in Around the World charity bike ride which has covered how many countries on how many continents oh we've done uh, australia asia uh, europe africa south central and north america in the last i don't know many many years eh? how many how many thousand kilometers fifty two thousand carbon-free kilometers at the moment and you've done them all on your own two feet on your own bicycle without any support team. that's it solo and un- unsupported yeah unbelievable story <laughs> and uh, i mean we are where does it all start what made you set off on such a wacky adventure Oof. Well, I moved to, to London after I finished my education here in South Africa in 2002 and uh, working a dead-end job, fell out of love with it and became a push-bike courier around central London. Fell in love with the, uh, the two-wheeled machine that is the bike and uh, got half full of the weather, moved over to Australia and uh, instead of buying a car, I bought myself a bicycle and a year and a half later I was in Vietnam and the bug had bit. So that's it. <laughs> Now, um, I mean, it's taken you all over the world. Uh, I mean, did you just decide to start traveling by bike and it grew from there? Or did you set off with the goal of doing something bigger with this? Well, initially, yeah, I just wanted to travel on two wheels. It was a pretty affordable way to get around the world. And uh, by the time I got to Vietnam, like I say, the bug had bit. I uh, came back to South Africa and uh, pretty determined to get around the globe on two wheels. Uh, so I came back here, set up the Global Wheeling Foundation and uh, decided to make a difference whilst doing it. So, and I've been pedaling around for a while now. Okay, so before we share all the horror stories, highlights and lowlights, tell us a little bit about what the Global Wheeling Initiative is. Well, yeah, it's an idea to advocate the bicycle as uh, a powerful tool in the battle against climate change and really highlight its carbon-neutral uh, properties, particularly to get over long distances. So for the first leg of the Global Wheeling Project was Europe and Africa, mm-hmm. and it was uh, 15 country, no, 20 countries, 15,000 Ks, uh, converting the carbon-free kilometers into trees as uh, a celebration and carbon offset to the 2010 Football World Cup. So we planted 2010 trees here in the Western Cape to celebrate that. And uh, phase two of that trip, which was across the Americas, uh, was to calculate how large the carbon footprint would have been had the same journey been done in an average-sized sedan. And uh, that was 20,000 Ks over 12 months through uh, 15 countries in the Americas and three tons of carbon saved as a result of, uh, of the bike, yeah. Now, I mean, I love, I was reading on your website what you had to say about why you specifically wanted to offset the concept of the carbon footprint of the World Cup. And you said this, added, it added immensely to our tourism industry and financial sectors, but left in its wake a substantial carbon footprint of 2.75 million tons. Mm, and then you said, I love the way you summed it up. You said, we've enjoyed the main course. We've had sufficient time to digest the fruits of our labor. The time has come to wash the dishes. <laughs> love it. <laughs> sums it up brilliantly. Why do you feel so passionately about this? Well, first and foremost, I'm a patriot. Grew up barefoot on the beach on the West Coast here in Cape Town. I've been fortunate enough to travel the world. And every time I come back to South Africa, just completely inspired by the country we live in. I mean, it's just a magical, magical place. And uh, to get around on the world uh, on a bike and to be able to make a difference at the same time is uh, is just perfect. Now, the difference you're making obviously is in raising awareness. But is there any other element to it? 
Uh, yeah, well, I mean, on the other side, I'm cutting a eight-episode series for television at the moment and, and writing a book. So uh, that's that side of things besides the charity. And uh, planning another big trip for 2015 to tackle another green project here in the Western Cape. But that's a secret at the moment. That's a secret. So, yeah, okay, but you are gonna, you're going to come and share it with us when yeah, you Yeah, I'll have it, to right? come back in. Okay, now, um, before we head into the nitty-gritty, uh, if people want to find out more about the Global Wheeling Initiative, how can they help and where do they go for more information? Well, um, how can they help? They can actually help me out in March. I'm rustling up 20 volunteers for the Cape Town Carnival, which is on the 15th of March during the evening. And I need 20 volunteers that are willing to get dressed up as wild animals. You'll be zebras in costume (laughs) and uh, you'll be part of the carnival. So if you want to come and back the Global Wheeling Foundation and celebrate the amazing bicycle for what it is, give me a shout on my email address and uh, come get involved. Your email address being? Uh, that's info at globalwheeling.org. At globalwheeling.org. Yeah. And we'll make sure, of course, that that goes up on the Cape Talk website under the Heard and Air section. Now, it's hard to know where to start. You've been to so many places. but So maybe we should start with what have been the biggest challenges you've faced and some of the horror stories you've encountered. Oh, there's been numerous. Crossing the Sahara Desert, uh, quite a biggie. Uh, it's probably about 3,500 kilometers to get from just south of Agadir to St. Louis in Senegal. And uh, so you're averaging an Argus bicycle ride pretty much every day for a month. Um, Huge challenge. Um, Getting over the Andes twice on my last trip. Uh, Navigating civil war in uh, in Ivory Coast in 2011. Quite tricky. Um, So, yeah, there's been a few. eh? Quite tricky, he says. I mean, literally tell us, what did you encounter there? Well, crossing into Ivory Coast, I just come out of Guinea-Conakry, tackling the Futajolo Mountains over there. Uh, humbled, beautiful part of the world, but uh, ended up getting food poisoning, so quite sick. But my visa expired in Guinea, expired in Guinea, so I needed to cross over in Cote d'Ivoire. Uh, wasn't exposed to any news outlets, radio, or anything. Living in a tent, so by the time I got to the border of Cote d'Ivoire, I was met by rebels. The country was in civil war. Um, I was tacking through the northern half of the country, and the first major city that I hit was Odiane, where I was taken in by the UN security compound. Uh, we then had to invite the head of the Muslim rebel force to come in and uh, had to pay him a little bit of bucks for a passe libre to get across the country. So still getting over food poisoning, not a lot of energy, mm. not a lot of fuel in the tank and only given seven days to get from border to border. Wow. Um, so by the time I reached Ghana, which I made in seven days, uh, I had no visa. So then I had to sweet talk my way into the next country. <laughs> so there's been a couple of hurdles along the way. Sounds like a bit of a recurring theme coming here. Mm. I mean, t- talk to us a little bit about how you travel. It's you, your bike, you say you sleep in a tent the whole way do you allow yourself some day off and yeah i mean because or? i'm doing a lot of filming as well so i need to uh, book into a spot maybe every 10 days i'll find a humble little boat there and plug in and charge batteries and have a good wash and brush teeth <laughs> and try and touch base with the rest of the world um, but between uh, between those times uh, i'm living in my little tent the humble hilton she's called yeah. And uh, riding on Little Miss Sunshine, which is my bike that's now got 35 countries on her. So, yeah, it's about a 50 kg rig, all my camping gear, cooking gear, completely self-sustainable and, uh, and unsupported. And Little Miss Sunshine, has she, she done you well, obviously, uh, oh, to have made it through indeed, that many yeah. countries? She's temperamental, eh? but uh, she's been pretty good to me. <laughs> all the best women are. <laughs> We're chatting, of course, to uh, the founder of the Global Wheeling Initiative. His name's Caden Claire Nunz. He's ridden literally across the world on, on his own on a bicycle, chatting to us a little bit about some of the experiences he's had during that adventure and some of his dreams and and the reason why he's doing this personality of the week 
And he is Caden Kleinhans, founder of the Global Wheeling Initiative and a man who's literally been riding the world on his own on a bicycle for the last couple of years and uh, certainly looks fit and healthy to show for it. So there's something to be said for it. Um, I mean, you've been chatting to us about some of the dire places you've been and the dire experiences you've had. We also want to hear about the good ones. But first, I want to ask you about your most recent trip. Where did that take you from and where to? Uh, that was from Buenos Aires in Argentina, and I finished up in Nevada in the U.S. That was 20,350 Ks in 50 weeks. Yeah. And quite a special fundraising aspect to that. Tell us about yeah, that. Yeah, hugely so. I mean, uh, one of the driving forces behind that as well was to promote cycling here in Cape Town. And uh, the, the way we did that was uh, I set up an initiative with a local publication here called The Big Issue and an incentive program for the vendor that sold the most magazines during that month, I'd reward them with a bicycle. So for every month, the duration of that ride from Buenos Aires up to Nevada, uh, someone was rewarded with a bike. And there's great synergy there because we've got the big issue in with us tomorrow. So uh, do tune in for that as well. So, I mean, great story. So you're doing something that you obviously love and relish doing. You're doing good at the same time. You're raising awareness about really positive things. Uh, But it can't always be smooth sailing. I mean, you've spoken about civil war, about riding through deserts, about riding over mountains. What are some of the other things that have gone wrong? Ooh, traveling through Europe of all places, which you think would be kind of cool, calm and collected, uh, it was hunting season in the south of Spain and uh, it's illegal to camp in the wild, but I'm living in a tent every night, so uh, you've got to do. <laughs> uh, so I was busy packing up my tent on all fours, rolling up a green tent in the bushes and uh, someone took a pot shot at me, thought I was a deer. So uh, I have been shot at in Spain. Shot at, but not shot. Shot at, but not shot. Okay. Yeah, but not shot. Yeah, quite lucky. It was a bad shot. Yeah. And uh, did you realize what he'd done? Did you? Yeah, well, I jumped up and moaned at him, <laughs> as, you, as you would do. Yeah, yeah, Must have yeah. been one of the scarier moments it's, of yeah, his life. Yeah, another one of my nine lives I've used up. Uh, okay. Sure. Ever encountered road rage? Yeah, working as a push bike courier, as a bike messenger in London, got taken out by what they call a man in a van over there, which is a delivery driver mm-hmm. dropping off parcels as well. And a uh, huge competition for space in London, as you can yeah. imagine, tiny little roads, loads of people. And I uh, got nudged off. And so, yeah, I've experienced quite a bit. Yeah. Any serious injuries en route? Um, only pride and dignity. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I can see I can see the reason why you need to do what you're doing because I've just got an SMS from Lance who says, I love my carbon footprint. Only a V8 will do for me. What's your response to Lance? <laughs> <laughs> now, um, we've spoken about some of the worst experiences. What are some of the favorite experiences you've had, favorite places you've seen? Oh, absolutely magical. Well, like I mentioned, the Sahara Desert, probably mm-hmm. one of the most magical places I've been to. Um, Where to start? The Grand Canyon in the US, Lake Titicaca in the Andes, um, the Chaco Plain, Iguaza Falls, Great Mm. Barrier Reef, uh, Machu Picchu, uh, to mention a few, you know. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Traveling as a South African, how well received are you? For starters, do people that you meet know where South Africa is? Yeah, it's not too bad, actually. I think we do pretty well because of our rugby and our cricket team, you know, and post-World Cup, we're on the map now, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Um, yeah, fantastically welcome place to go and travel as South African is South America. No visas required, which is fantastic. Yeah, Africa is quite tricky. It's expensive to get across borders. But uh, yeah, it's familiar. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> All feels good. Now, um, one of the things travelers worry about is losing their luggage, losing their passports, etc. Ever happened to you? Yes, indeed it has. Well, I was crossing from Guinea-Bissau to Guinea-Conakry. 
uh, coming down the west coast of Africa. And uh, when nature calls, you need to answer. <laughs> so uh, as you can imagine, there's no lose on the side of a gravel path, you know what I mean, in the middle of uh, Guinea-Bissau. So I uh, pulled over to answer nature's call. And uh, I carry a saddlebag around my waist, which has got my passport, survival knife, and bits mm-hmm. and pieces in there, cash, etc., etc. And hung that up on a branch, uh, finished up, got on the bike. And by the time I reached the border crossing to Guinea-Conakry, I realized I was no longer with passport or money or anything. So I spent the better part of that day searching for my bits and pieces down a pretty nondescript road in the middle of nowhere, looking for a green saddlebag hanging on a green tree. And did you find it? (laughs) Indeed. You did. You're a lucky man. So, I mean, we've been chatting earlier in the show about things that make us happy in the workplace and what it is that makes a wonderful working environment. For you, obviously, it's been the open road, the fresh air, the sunshine, the natural environment. Is this your life's mission? Are you going to carry on doing this or do you ever see yourself... uh, dotting the suit and tie and briefcase. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to continue for the time being, thoroughly enjoy it. It's a great challenge, both physically and mentally, and there's a lot of growth in it in many ways. And uh, I think if you can, uh, you can pay the rent and you can survive and you can make a difference whilst doing that, then why not eh? tackle it? Why not indeed? What is it like, though, being on your own all the time? Well, a huge amount of introspection. And I think true introspection, you don't always find what's... You know, you don't like everything you always find. So a great deal uh, of mulling over bits and pieces, which has been interesting. And then I suppose coming back uh, to society is probably the hardest part of it. It's, it's easy to go, but it's getting harder and harder to come back because you've got to relearn those social skills. So I'll start off with a small bride at home with friends and family <laughs> and uh, progressively grow on the numbers with time. So, yeah, that's a major challenge. Okay, you're doing okay so far, has to yeah, be said. But how long you. have you been back from the last trip? Um, just knocking on about three and a half months now. Okay, so, so you've had yeah. some time to acclimatise. How long do you normally take a break in between? Um, probably about a year in between trips. Yeah, the next one's going to be launched in 2015, and that'll be a slightly shorter trip, probably about 10,000, 12,000 Ks for the next slightly one, which should take so. about six or seven months to complete. And in between, what do you do with yourself? I'm doing a lot of writing at the moment and mm-hmm. uh, working on an eight-episode show for television with the same guys that do uh, Ultimate Brian Master. That's Cooked Justin Bonello and Co. Yeah, Bonello, that mob. So we're working pretty hard at the moment to try Talk and to us a bit up. about that. Yeah, well, it's going to be from Buenos Aires up to Nevada, which was the last 20,000 kilometers I clocked up on a bike. Uh, We're currently uh, roughly cut about halfway through the sixth app and uh, two and a bit to go. So I'm doing all my own narration and uh, co-writing the script there. So uh, yeah, loads to keep me busy, plus writing the book as well. It sounds like that last trip has been a really amazing one and you've seen some incredible places. I mean, what were the standout highlights of that? Standout highlights. I would have to say... Uh, making it to the top of Juana Potosi, which is a mountain that's snow-capped at about 6,088 meters above sea level. Uh, left my bike down in La Paz at about 4,000 meters mm. and did the rest on foot. So it was all carbon-free travel from start to finish. And I'm scared of heights, so I was trying to oh, push wow. the boundaries there a little bit. <laughs> and uh, uh, you were telling me in the break about uh, Death Valley. What was that like? Oof, Death Valley. I mean, it's not called Death Valley for no reason. Eh? For Hottest those, place yeah. in the world. I stand to be corrected, but I think it was 2000 and no, it was 1914 or 1913 where the hottest ever temperature was recorded, and I think it was 58 degrees Celsius. Happened in a place called Furnace Creek, which is about 80 or 90 meters below sea level. Oh. Uh, and when I was cycling through there, I wanted to tackle Death Valley um, at the hottest time of the day, hottest month of the year. 
So I went through it midday through Furnace Creek in July, which is statistically their hottest month, just to see if I could actually make it through. (laughs) And uh, I made it through, but uh, only just. But an amazing place, beautiful rock formations, um, gorgeous. I'd go back, but probably in winter next time. So you intentionally set out to do it in the hottest time of day, the hottest month of the year. Hottest I mean, you must be world. a terrible person to issue a day to. Sucker for punishment, I think. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what do you eat while you travel? How uh, do you feed yourself? Copious amounts of beer. Big fan of beer. <laughs> and <laughs> no special diet, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, a lot of uh, street meats and bits and pieces I find on the road. Huge amount of water, as you can mm-hmm. imagine. Uh, loads of fresh fruit. And uh, anything I can get my grubby paws on, basically, because sometimes there's really long distances between places. So crossing the Sahara, for example, I mean, you're carrying stale bread and tins of sardines. And that's what you live on for days until you get to another little nomadic settlement or something and you can restock on bits and pieces. So it's very much uh, location orientated. Your diet is, yeah. Depending on where you are in the world. Yeah, exactly. And let's talk a bit about, I mean, the message that you're spreading about being carbon neutral essentially is it being well received as you travel are there any particular places where they've looked at you as if you're a complete nutcase or others where they've gone yes we get what you're doing it's been pretty well received along the way it's been really good um, but, I mean, you can never send that message too loud and too far, can you? I mean, mm. the more bums on bikes we've got, the better off everyone is. You can imagine a city with uh, zero congestion and uh, loads of happy people bombing around on bicycles. You know what I mean? So the message is uh, it's got to be sent all the time. But so far, so good. Are there any cities you've encountered that are, are getting there, partway there? Ooh, you know what I mean? I think we could probably all follow suit behind Copenhagen and Amsterdam. They really do kind of uh, push the boundaries. I think there's more people on bikes than there are people in cars. There, really? You know? Just absolutely absolutely amazing yeah really inspirational cities to travel through by bike now i mean obviously the the trip itself you keep in carbon neutral but getting yourself to the continent you've got to take an airplane exactly, so how yeah. do you offset that mentally? uh well yeah. by planting loads of trees yeah so and where you where are you planting the trees how, all in how the western does that cape work? all in the western, cape. All the western cape yeah charity starts at home i suppose you know and logistically it's easier to plant in your own backyard than trying to get stuff down the road so yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. We're almost out of time. Um, one or two final stories of, of favorite places you've visited or incidents that have stood out that you will carry with you for the rest of your life. Mm, I'd have to say the Dakhla Peninsula in the Sahara Desert, um, just north of Mauritania, uh, full moon riding straight through the night mm. uh, and it being bright enough to use the moon to light up the road through the desert. So Amazing. I'd have to say pick of the bunch for me, yeah. And when you're home in Cape Town, I mean, you you joked earlier about riding an Argus a day for however many days. Have you ever done the actual Argus? I've never done the Argus. Any intention If they'd to like it? to invite me, give me a <laughs> shout. I'll come join you guys for a giggle and a wiggle. So where do you ride in Cape Town? Uh, well, I'm down on the West Coast, Malpa, Strand, Bloberg. Yeah, that's my stomping ground. So up and down the beach most of the time, yeah. And, and as, the, you know, as the years have gone by, how have you found, is Cape Town adapting to embracing more of the cyclist's world? Yeah, I would say so. What? There's now a, a beautiful little cycle path linking town with Bloberg. Mm-hmm. I use that when I can do. And um, we've got some great initiatives coming through now, like uh, the Cape Town Naked Bike Ride as well, which actually happens down Somerset Road. I think it's a couple of days before the Argus. And uh, that could do with a bit of promotion. That's fantastic. That's people celebrating the bike for what it really is. You know, there's no Lycra. There's no clipping shoes. It's just people on two wheels enjoying it for what it is. And now, I'd when like you to say see the, a bit more of that. When Cape you Town. say the naked bike ride, naked as in stripped down to love of the bike or car fights? <laughs> wow, how have I missed this event? Yeah, that happens in March as well, I think. Yeah. How long has that been going on for? Um, at least a couple of years, maybe two, three years. Okay. 
Jeez, yeah, there's a whole other city going on out there. That's Presswich Memorial, yeah, sure. Got to look out for that one. <laughs> Maybe an adults-only cycling trip. Um, okay, so we've got one and a half minutes left. You, you, you won't tell us where you're going next, um, but you are setting off in 2015. How are you going to be spending your time between now and then? Do you do any kind of training preparation for these trips? Yeah, well, I get around as much as I can do on two wheels. I've got a few different bicycles in the garage, some really slow, which are hard to get from A to B, and that's just to kind of you know, push the muscles a little bit more. And uh, I'll increase that workload the closer I get to the next expedition and start loading up the panniers and dragging them around the West Cape. So, yeah, there'll be a bit of training beforehand, but not too much. I try and get off the bike for a little bit in between trips because you can become saturated, you know. (laughs) Well, if anyone is going to be, it's going to be you. Well, it's been fantastic having you in studio with us. Before we let you go off on your bicycle, I assume, just remind us again, website address, email address, where can people find out more about what you're doing? Okay, cool. If you want to contact me at Global Wheeling, it's info at globalwheeling.org. And uh, if you want to volunteer for the Cape Town Carnival on the 15th of March, you can contact me on the same email address. And uh, yeah, I'll be out and about on two wheels. So if you see me, stop me, pull over and have a shout. Great to have you with us. Uh, The name is Caden Clarence, of course, a man who's got, sorry, remind us how many thousand kilometers under your belt? 52,000. 52,000 and counting. Well, good luck for the next 50,000. Thanks for having me. Great to have you with us.